When you laugh, your brain releases endorphins, yeah? Your stress hormones are reduced and the oxygen supply to your blood is increased. So you feel, I try and laugh several times a day just because it makes you feel good. So let's, let's try that. Hey, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> come on, trust me, you'll feel. to tell you things are bad everybody knows things are bad it's a depression everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job the dollar buys a nickel's worth banks are going bust shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it we know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat we sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too, okay? Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey guys, how's it going? Hi. Great. Am I too this loud? This week. No, you're good. <laughs> Another day you're of good. the job. Don't step on. I got a joke. Don't step on it. Hold on. <laughs> this week, wait for it. Workplace horror harassment. Oh, ah. nice. Harassment. That's, That's good. We're talking. You got to really talking... emphasize the horror, though. It sounds like you're saying harassment. <laughs> Well, that too. Horror Asman. I like that <sighs> a lot also. We're talking about horror at the office, and uh, Kevin and Dave have curated a couple picks for us this week. Kevin, what do you got? Okay, so after 2004's Shaun of the Dead, brilliant British horror comedy sort of lit the world on fire. I imagine a lot of horror comedies that may not have been greenlit were being greenlit quickly. So in 2006, a director named Christopher Smith took advantage of this and did a British-German production called Severance. 
And this is a movie where you have a bunch of coworkers who work for Palisade Defense, which is your stock shitty weapons company that are obviously up to no good. They are on a bonding retreat in Eastern Europe where they are trying to get to the new Palisade Lodge, which is supposed to be this world-class lodge where they will have a weekend of team-building activities. Well, they don't quite get to this world-class lodge. They do end up somewhere, and they do end up doing some activities, but they mostly revolve around getting themselves killed. What do you guys think? You know, I love a horror movie that doesn't take itself too seriously, and this movie definitely does not take itself seriously at all, so I liked that. Uh, The storyline is funny. It's basically just like karma for all the shitty corporate bros who sell weapons for a living, uh, with some casualties of nice people sprinkled in, as per usual. Uh, There's gore right off the bat, so I kind of figured what was going on And then there was plenty more gore throughout the film uh, to keep me satiated, if you will. I do love a good bear trap. I think we all do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, The the token stoner guy wasn't the most unlikable character for once, uh, so that was nice. Uh, Of course, all the dudes were in love with the hot blonde final girl. Uh, It definitely obviously made fun of itself and all the horror tropes that it was committing constantly throughout the movie. Uh, But it was enjoyable. It was a fun watch. It was a light watch after the other watch this week. So (laughs) I appreciated it. (laughs) Yeah, I dug this movie and uh, it's definitely a huge bipolar contrast to the other workplace movie. But I think they're, uh, you know, they both kind of have their place and there isn't a lot of workplace horror and uh, I think there should be more because I think there's a lot of dynamics in everyday um, workplace uh, situations that are very uncomfortable to the point of terror um, and I actually have a story real quick I, I mean I, I love severance I'm just gonna say that's a horror comedy it kind of reminded me a um, little bit of like the uh, Leslie Vernon the behind the mask Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like the tone and also like maybe Dale and Tucker, but a little less funny than that. But um, (laughs) I had real horror here at uh, our studio this week. I texted all you guys for help uh, and no one picked up. Um, Oh, come on. (laughs) Listen. So I get a call. I responded immediately. I get a call. No, no, you didn't. You responded the next day. I would already have been dead. Um, There's a girl, girl named Lena recording at our studio at night by herself. And she sends a text, someone's trying to open all the doors, and I'm kind of freaked out here. And, you know, I don't know Lena that well, so in my mind I'm thinking, well, she's kind of freaking out. But because I don't know her that well, and I'm trying to be professional, I'll go check out the situation at the studio. So I'm on my way driving to the studio. I bring my family with me, my daughter's in pajamas. Everyone's just, you know, thinking we're going to go check it out and find out the wind blew something over. And... The landlord got here before I arrived, so on my way to get to the studio, I get this picture of a door, the door to the studio being barricaded shut with broomsticks and shovels and pieces of wood. And then the other door, the only other way in or out of this place, has uh, like Duraflame, like light matches, I mean like logs with lighter fluid on them or whatever, right in front of the other door. 
And then they set up this fire pit with a circle of chairs around it. And they dug these all this stuff out of our dumpster because we're renovating. And so we call the police. This is scary. You know, we call the police. And the police show up. Um, for, first of all, there was multiple police in the area. We saw blue lights everywhere. We're like, what's going on? 2021, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and a be- very beautiful uh, Portland police officer shows up, and she says, um, immediately she had an answer. Like, I expected her to be like, oh, I don't know. We'll check it out. Maybe we'll drive through the driveway later on and make sure no one's breaking into your place or doing anything weird. But immediately she had an answer. She said, we have apprehended a uh, deranged lunatic is the exact word she said. She didn't say apprehended. She said that we found this lady. She's a deranged (laughs) lunatic who's paranoid that people are trying to kill her. And she was trying to get into your place. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just wild. It was, it was, it, and so I guess they just dropped her off her Brighton Avenue, like an hour walk from here. So to deter her maybe from coming back, but it Great. was, it was some real workplace horror. I just, yeah, I just assumed it was like one of your clients, like, uh, yeah, yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah. what happens. I, I told you, around every studio. corner, it was the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. Oh, it's probably nothing. And then I see like Blair Witch ritual shit set up outside yeah. our place. I'm like, what the fuck? But also, like, sorry to in- interject, but why would she, if she's scared that people are trying to get her, then why is she then barricading someone else in this building and like trying to light it on fire? I don't know. It seems very threatening. And I think that this deranged lunatic must be a fan of horror movies because when I looked at it, I was like, oh, impressive. You know, I was kind of like, oh, you got the door <laughs> barricade over there. You got the, the, the firewood there menacingly by the only other exit. And then you've created this cult-like circle for like, and she put down a rug. It was like oh. she, she just dumpster dove in our dumpster and set yeah. up like a little camp for herself here. Um, but I don't think she's got to spend any time. I, uh, I I read that and then saw the pictures that you sent and like I I, I felt chills. Yeah, yeah. and then I, I pictured pictures. I, I mean, I've picture. been out there late at night. I've been out there by myself. It is definitely somewhere. It's it's a very high percentage that that's where I end up dying. The more time I spend out there mm. late at night. <laughs> but I just kept thinking about how Lena must have felt. You know, oh, yeah. one well, she was, one she young took it woman. Pretty well. Yeah, well, that's impressive. I I. I felt like cold when you when you actually I'm like, all right, what the hell's Dave sending us now? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> damn, that is like that looks like a legit set design for a horror shoot. You're right. Like whoever did this, they've got some they've got some skills. Also, my literal workplace is on Warren Ave. So that was oh, a little right. uh, scary True. for me. I was like, wait, what am I going to find at work in the morning? <laughs> I don't think that's the moral of, uh, you know, of uh, like severance or a lot of workplace horror movies is that you're ultimately you could be having to work together with these people for your life uh so you know you might want to like get with a program and uh, the the wild rogue employees are the always they always get it right away or they're somehow behind it but Mm. i thought this is good I, i didn't find this movie overall like uh this is like my second or third time watching it kevin had lent it to me on dvd like when it first came out years ago you gave me like this and like hatchet and frontiers oh you're and, so mad uh, at me because frontiers had like a, a scratch at the end of it, it yeah, <laughs> so it stopped to me. At, like a you really finish it. Uh, important spot 
but Severance was one of those movies I watched. So I, I don't know. It's um, I liked it all right. Uh, I, I did find it kind of like uh, unmemorable even after a third watch. But I thought it was a fun movie. I would recommend it to people. Yeah, I'm very surprised at how much I still liked Severance. I vaguely remembered it from I, I saw it like in like 2008 2007 this was uh made or released 2006 so i saw it right after it hit video because it was like an attention grabbing dvd on the new release display and i remembered liking it but i actually thought to myself like eh, i bet this doesn't hold up that good wrong again i think this movie <laughs> holds up great I think that it's more timely than ever. I think you can like see uh, a lot of the the topical stuff of the day, and I think that those elements have actually gotten even more um, relevant now. And I just I thought it was right from the opening. I think it's a great, good old fashioned workplace uh, slasher. I would kind of call this like Friday the Thirteenth meets Hostel in office yeah. space and I, I was yeah. all about it very very good i watched nice. it twice very good yeah i watched it i watched so so here's how i landed on my pick and and i think i picked this before dave threw out christine because i watched a bunch of workplace horror i watched severance again this is free on tubi um so if you don't mind some ads you can watch it and then i watched the belco experiment i watched mayhem um, which i think is still on shutter Belko was a rental. I watched Bloodsucking Bastards, which I think is free on too. And <laughs> and and like I, I just don't understand where they're missing the workplace horror. Because mm. to me, out of the ones I watched, Severance was the one that nailed it the most from a from a coworker standpoint. Maybe yeah. not necessarily from a comedy or a horror standpoint, but like Belko has all of this opportun missed opportunities in the movie. You know, it's a bonkers situation that that when I watch it, I, I, I liked it. But when I get done, I'm like, I feel like you could have gone harder. Same thing with Mayhem. Um, mm -hmm. So this one, to me, I, I, I really liked the characters. I liked that they were all very distinct. Um, and Dave, to your like real life work horror, I, I have been working where I'm working now for about five years. And before COVID, I traveled a lot. And like you were saying, Dave, there's so much like opportunity for workplace horror. And, and we're not even getting into workplace shootings and some of the real horrific things that have happened. But, you know, when I'm traveling, I have to be very conscious of the team I put together to travel with because, you know, you can work with someone every day, but you don't know what they're going home and doing and shit. You don't know what they're like, you know, on a night out in San Diego. So <laughs> I know that now, I you, you know, do. I'm five years <laughs> in, but about a year in. I found myself at a similar retreat in the middle of the woods in Rangeley with my boss at the time and about five or six of my coworkers. And like, I'm all amped up, like, yeah, you know, still kind of new at the job. What a fun thing. But then, you know, I kind of went outside, I think, to like smoke a cigarette. I'm like, I'm in the middle of the fucking woods in Rangeley. I'm like nine miles from society and I don't know these people at all. And not only do I not know what they could pull as we start raging and, you know, partying, um, but, you know, I mean, I just, I don't know these people. And, and, and there's also, like, employment implications to, like, what happens this weekend. So um, I, I really appreciated the fact that all, all these people were clearly very unwillingly uh, out into this situation, you know, except for, um, except for our bear trap buddy that was, you know, oh. all too eager to be out there. Um, 
you know, Kat mentioned um, Maggie, played by Laurie Harris, the blonde, who I still remember from The Faculty. Um, oh, still remember right. from her turn in 24, which was a show that I loved. Uh, and A Mighty Wind, so she's had some good stuff. I uh, love that actress. I thought she did a great job. And, you know, you mentioning Steve's character, Kat, the stoner. Um, I had, in my notes, I had uh, the smartass who eats a tooth. Uh, played oh. by Danny Dyer. I, I liked his <laughs> character. I thought he stayed pretty consistent till the very end. And I also like how with his character, they didn't necessarily try too hard to make him a better person. Like, you know, a lot of these movies, they'll take like a real dickhead at the beginning of the movie and try to send them on this, you know, journey of discovery. He pretty much stayed like as douchey as he started mm-hmm. right up until the last word of the movie, which yeah. is foursome. yeah one of my favorite parts is when he was just like they thought everything was over and he's like great and he just pulls out this huge fucking joint and it's like now this is what i've been saving this for like after this murderous rampage apparently and then he sees like what's ahead of him and he just puts it back he's like no (laughs) just shove that back down (laughs) i really appreciated the character development in this movie it's very well defined you have the boss i'm gonna just tick him off right now and uh just from just from seeing it, like you don't even have to try that hard. You got the boss, the David Brent character. You got the brown nosing suck up guy who's like excited about this uh, after work uh, team building <laughs> stuff. You got the assistant who is the only person of color in the movie. You got the blonde bombshell. You got the um, bookworm, the mousy little gal, and you've got the hunk. Right? Is, is, is that all six? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, wait, so who's the hunk? Is that Steve, the stoner, or is it Harris? Scooby-Doo. No, Harris, no, the stoner. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, you have the stoner, and then you got the hunk. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so, so Harris, like, yes. Everyone is represented. You see those pecs through the shirt. It's not, you know, it's a horror comedy. I didn't think it was, like, super funny. You know, like, Dave, you said it's not as funny as um, Dale and Tucker, but it's pretty funny, I thought. Um, I really, I, I enjoyed the, the characters and how everybody performed. I, I thought it was um, pretty endearing. So this is the first uh, episode of the new year, uh, pretty much, right? And that's, that's not just like recapping last year. You mean the first kind of off right, right. episode sure. of the year? Sure. New, new one. And I can't help but notice that um, it looks like we all have haircuts. I was going to ask you if you got a haircut. I didn't oh, know if yeah. it was the headphones. I have like no hair anymore. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> I didn't know if it was the headphones. Cat, <laughs> try not to be so excited about my haircut. It looks great. Yeah, but we're I at work. Think it looks you can dial it back, <laughs> <laughs> dial it back a little bit. Yeah, fifteen percent. Sorry. Um, we put the HR in horror. Now that I'm all gray, I have to pretty much keep it high and tight to yeah. uh, keep up the illusion of blonde. Caitlin is more gray than I am. You got no gray, Dave. I can't even grow a beard I anymore. I look like Santa Claus if I let it go I past. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not pretty. I make my hair gray. Are you gonna retire soon, Trent? I, I've been retired. Thinking about taking all your speak all evil money. Retired. I've retired. I retired a long time ago. I am retired. That yeah. twenty-two Florida. bucks a month. This is what I do in my retirement. This is my retirement. You can do project. the podcast from Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> I, I thought that Severance was very particular uh, for its time in one way, and I thought it was very post-Iraq invasion. This is a very George W. Bush movie. I think that it, it speaks very much to the time where everybody realized that that was the biggest mistake 
disaster, I mean, criminal to me, but um, thing that had been done in a long time. And I think that you get a lot of that sort of overlap in this movie, the, the defense contractors, the imperialism, the war crimes. Uh, again, we talk about some of these foreign films that get into a little bit more serious like history of, of Europe and things like that. All of that stuff was going on in this, which I appreciated. Yeah, it's a really it's a solid point. And also just kind of going back to speaking to the time that this movie came out. You know, I mentioned that Shaun of the Dead came out in 2004. So this makes pretty good sense to come out in 2006. But, you know, you, Trent, talking about how it, it was kind of funny and Dave, you like maybe missing a little bit of the comedy. It also we have to remember this came out at like the height of torture porn. So the first few times I watched this, I felt like it was like very comedic for the first half. And they were kind of pushing all the comedy into the first like 45 minutes. And then when mm. the horror really starts, it goes like straight up torture. Yeah. Porn. Like there's some pretty graphic shit in here that it's clear that, you know, you can you can tell when this you could show this to a horror aficionado and make them guess when it came out. And they're going to say like sometime between 2004 and 2010. Um, but then when I when I watched it again to make sure I hadn't totally fucked up my pick, I, I found <laughs> I found a fair amount of comedy even mixed in when the gore really gets going. Um, you know, I, I, I already mentioned that one character, you know, they don't try to take him on a redemption arc. But there's another character that they do give this redemption arc to. And it's kind of funny. It's kind of endearing. And it's super gross. So maybe not for the entire film did they nail this, but there are bits and pieces that he absolutely nailed. And what's interesting is, is this guy is firmly entrenched in the horror genre. He did the movie Triangle with Melissa George. Dave, I think we've talked about That's that a, one. Yeah, it's kind of a sleeper. And then he did this movies. movie Creep the year before. I can't remember her name, but it has the actress from Run, Lola, Run. And it's basically oh, like right. um, oh, it's basically right. P2, but she's Franca trapped Patente. in like a London subway or something. This movie reminded me quite a bit of Cold Prey and Cold Prey oh, yeah. 2, which are very, very wow. good uh, foreign language slashers. If you haven't seen Cold Prey and the sequel, Cold Prey 2, those are very good. And that, that bit reminded... more serious, though. Yeah, yeah. You don't have the comedy element, but I, this reminded no. me of uh, those movies quite a bit. They, they, all, they, the, um, they also, in this movie, as I learn, relearn how to speak, they also, the directors <laughs> and the people on the movie, gave a lot of homages to other movies and i don't think i got them all because they really went a little overboard um but there's like a reference to dr strangelove in this where they have the crm 114 landmine and that's what in dr strangelove the radio discriminator is called um they uh, both movies end with the song we'll meet again um, Steve mm. being fed grapes harkens to a clockwork orange. Uh, there's all wow. kind of, another one, uh, 2001 Space Kubrick. Odyssey, when Steve keeps Triple seeing Stanley himself Kubrick. in different places. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, and I, I, another fun fact, they released this in Spain as a double feature with a movie called Black Sheep. Do you guys remember this movie about mutated sheep? Because I had forgotten all about it and I loved it. That wasn't a trauma? Was that a trauma movie? No, I mean, it could have, it, it, it's close. It could have been. It could okay, pass for one. It. But no, this is another one. I want to say, um, I want to say it was in New Zealand. It, it's, it's another, it's a foreign film. Um, yeah, and then I guess the last thing I'll throw out there 
Or, or two more things. Laura Harris, who played Maggie that we talked about, apparently this movie was so much fun to play uh, or to shoot, and the cast loved each other so much that she would actually have to go off set and listen to like the saddest music she could find so she could come back and film some of the more serious scenes and not just be laughing at everybody. Um, and then two... The, the scene that we talk about with the bear trap, 100% in camera, no pra- uh, all practical effects, hmm. um, and oh. absolutely nothing in post. And that is a, that is a gnarly scene. Oh, um, man. Definitely. Last serious thing, uh, this movie actually inspired a real murder based on one of its scenes. Oh, so, I saw oh. something about that. Yeah. So what? there was a copycat murder where... Uh, in Norfolk, 17-year-old Simon Everett was tied to a tree, doused in gasoline, and lit on fire, recreating <gasps> a scene from the movie. And this was all over a girl. It was a jealousy feud. So you had two no. men who were 19 and 25 and a 40-year-old woman captured this what? Simon Everett kit over a common love interest. She, she was not the 40-year-old woman was not the love interest. She was oh, complicit in kidnapping the kid. Um, and yeah, they, they killed him. They received sentences of 27, 22 and 17 years. And they actually played the scene I'm talking about from severance in the courtroom at the trial. (gasps) Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Wild stuff. Um, I think I like this one more than you, Kevin. This is a great one. I I would recommend, I think that this is a gem. It was fine. (laughs) It was fine. (laughs) Take this job and shove it. Take this job and shove it. I ain't one here no more. I'm moving in the cold. I'm moving forward. If it's a time to stay away, we're walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I won't hear no more. Attention, employees. Uh, my pick this week was Christine. Uh, not, I know all the mechanics just got excited thinking it was the, <laughs> the movie Christine uh, about the car. This is not that kind of workplace horror, fellas. This is 2016's uh, Christine, directed by Antonio Campos. Uh, it's the story of Christine Chubbuck, uh, 1970s TV reporter. It's a true story, and it it's this very, very tense psychological horror that puts you inside the mind and actions of Christine Chubbuck. Um, as soon as I watched this, I had seen it before, but when I watched it again, uh, the depth and the effectiveness of the the camera shots and the audio and the acting and everything, it's horror, like without horror, but it's mm-hmm. way, way scarier than anything because the whole time you think about your own insecurities the whole time you're watching this and uh, expectations uh, for yourself Um, because that's what she's tormented with. She's tormented with um, trying to be the best in her business. Uh, She is a very driven person and she will do anything to uh, make the material uh, for the news that has the most brevity. She really wants to like change newscasting. Um, and you know, because of that, you sympathize with her. You want her to succeed. You want her to win. It's a true story. And if you look it up, you know, you'll know how it ends and it's, you know, it's all very sad, but it is also the bulk of the movie 
is very scary. And as soon as I watched this, I watched um, The Devil All the Time. Uh, oh, nice. Antonio oh. Campos. Antonio Campos did that too. And mm-hmm. and I, I, I have a lot more uh, excitement for things to come uh, from this director because I really like... Uh, it just nails uh, the tone and the mood, uh, and and also uh, the the eras. You know, like it was such good '70s stuff. They're inside a TV studio, they're in recording studios, and I'm like looking around at all this like vintage gear, like like all this stuff down to the T is authentic to the era. And I love this. What'd you guys think? I absolutely loved this movie. It was tough one. I watched it twice in a row. Um, and I just want to write out the gate here. In keeping with Speak All Evil's commitment to bringing you the very best in blood and guts, we have a podcast first tonight. Speak <laughs> <laughs> All Evil. Oh, tasteless. You tasteless fuck. Stop. <laughs> Where'd you even get that? Is that a bubble gun? <laughs> I debated whether that would be too cruel to do to you guys. Uh, uh, thank you for laughing and not. Thank you for not screaming. Uh, <laughs> I love this movie because, like, I used to have. I had a, a true crime phase a long time ago, and I used to like watch a lot of true crime stuff and read like true crime books. Um, at this point, I find it to be like pretty low hanging fruit. Like anybody can just string together a bunch of like stock footage about some crime, and it's all very salacious and sensational. And people forget that these are real people, um, and it just like is the easiest like Netflix content you can imagine. So I really appreciated the dramatization format for this. The performance is tremendous. Rebecca Hall, I believe, plays mm-hmm. Christine Shabak. Mm-hmm. Very fine, but very fine in her like <laughs> prudish, like you know, her character is just very, very good. Love this one. Um, gonna, I just wanted to stay with me, throw in there that she reminded me a lot of uh, 70s horror scream queens, uh, Shelly uh, Duval, mm-hmm. and also, uh, what's the other one, a Sissy Spacek? Oh, yeah, she had like the hair was didn't very she remind sissy. me of like a mix yeah. of like those? Yeah, those I, had both, of- I had both down. I was like, Carrie, olive oil. <laughs> Yeah, this one's going to stay with me for quite a while. Yeah, well, in uh, breaking from tradition, I did not watch this twice. I will not be watching this twice. I will be watching uh. this one time in my uh. entire life. And that's not because it's a bad movie. It's because it does very, very bad things to your emotions. You're right. The way that Rebecca Hall plays her, and I'm not sure how much... You know, I'm guessing that they had all of the old TV footage to go by. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they talked to friends and people actually involved in this situation because the family was completely against this and would not give them anything. So the family condemned this and another movie that came out the same year that was like a meta documentary called Kate Plays Christine about some actress preparing to play Christine Chubbuck. It's too good. Th- that's the problem with this movie. One... Fuck this movie because I know how it ends. I know the story, but I kept and I and, and I I don't want this to sound funny or petty. It's almost like when you watch Titanic for the fifteenth time and you still think Jack's gonna get on the goddamn door at the end. Mm. This movie, despite <laughs> knowing how it ends, I was like, nah, she's gonna get that big break. 
nope, nope, she's going to make it. It's going to be fine. The entire movie, I was still sucked in by not just Rebecca Hall's performance. She's surrounded by a fantastic cast. And you're right, Dave, the, the period setting is super authentic without like mocking the 70s. A lot of movies that take place in the 70s, even for drama, they'll like overdo it and make it like super 70s, like cliche. But this just felt very appropriate. And for a movie that you can question all day long, whether the movie itself is appropriate, all the acting, all the set pieces, the pacing, and what was put before me felt appropriate. I had no idea what I was getting into because the name didn't ring a bell and I didn't realize what the fuck it was about. So that was fun. Um, I didn't go into this week thinking I was going to watch something that was going to cause such an emotional reaction. Um, I know I always say I'm a crier and I have indeed shed a lot of tears for this podcast. Uh, (laughs) But this one really hit me right in the heart there were so many parts of this movie that very much resonated with me this is a working woman in the 70s trying to make a name for herself in a male-dominated field but she's also a little quirky a little awkward a little weird so she's having trouble connecting the content that she wants to make uh with the mainstream uh content that they want but she's also having trouble maintaining her mental health Uh, She's obviously had some issues with depression in the past, and when she's at the doctor, uh, she says she's no longer taking medication for it because she doesn't like the way it makes her feel. This is something I've heard and said so many times, Uh, so it's a short but very relatable moment. From there, it's easy to pick up on more of her mental health problems. Uh, Her mother brings up her having to leave her old job. She has an outburst at work uh, to how she handles both disappointment and joy and how those single moments change her entire demeanor and her outlook. You see then that she might do something irrational. And again, I had no idea how this movie was going to end. I was just like, why the fuck did Dave pick this movie for this week? Like (laughs) this weird drama. Uh, She reacted in that moment of this is the only solution. And I feel like a lot of people have been there as someone who's been, as someone who's been diagnosed with depression since the age of 14, I understand a lot of what she was feeling. Growing up, I had a lot of that'll show them scenarios uh, that played out in my head. Obviously, Mm. obviously Mm. they didn't happen. Thank God I'm here with you guys making this cool podcast. Uh, But I could see how all of these things absolutely made sense to her and were absolutely the only thing that she could do. I think that people who deal with depression have to deal with these shitty and intrusive thoughts a lot, especially when they're unmedicated. Uh, And that's why it sucks so bad. It's something I've had to deal with my, you know, and will keep having to deal with for the rest of my life. So to see it unfold in this movie, like, in time, was terrifying and heartbreaking. And I did sob for a good not exaggerating probably like 10 minutes afterwards so thank you dave 
this welcome. is a real fun uh-huh. watch. I suggest it to everyone. Thank you so much. Have a good night. <laughs> well, wow. you know, the, the reason why I I picked this movie is because of the how slight the brushstroke is that changes the tone of every interaction. Um, it's not like these crazy things are happening to her and she's losing her mind and she's hallucinating and seeing things and then she kills herself because she thinks she's a ghost or whatever. It's this compound of all these situations that happen that are very much like things that happen in everyone's everyday thing uh, with, you know, disappointment and expectations and people being rude and and other people. uh, It's like everyone is socially awkward, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, some people are like taking their socially awkwardness and like imposing it on everybody uh, and making them, you know, like I would say the the Dexter guy, <laughs> the guy who plays yeah. Dexter, Michael he's C. like Hall. a terrible person. Uh, he's got mental problems like everyone around mm-hmm. her really does. Um, but they're the people that internalize it like her. And then the, there are the people like the other people she worked with that are just pushing their mental illness or their social awkwardness on everyone and they're like condescending and and they create these really weird scenarios that built up they they do uh they do add up and i liked how it wasn't blatant huge things like life-crushing things she didn't have a baby that died or anything like that she just wants to do good uh to the point where uh you know they're that is the that is the end game is to mm-hmm. like I you know her her intent was this like you said that'll show them I think she just wanted to win like they wanted the most gory story and I'll give away the ending that this is a suicide movie if people haven't figured that out already <laughs> um, but it's it, it the horror in this is so passive uh, that I I wanted to include it um, somehow in the show. But it, it is very, very sad. It's I real think you really Sorry, Kat, for making you cry or anyone feeling a certain way. But yeah. uh, I, I just feel like someone created a powerful movie uh, mm. that was very, yeah. very well done. You brought real horror. You know, what they did here is they, they highlighted actual horror. And I think a lot of us escape to horror and become such horror junkies because we want to get away from real horror because it's around us every day. And, you know, this is... It's a pretty big slap in the face to be like, wake the fuck up. This stuff is happening every day to millions of people. It's happening at your workplace. You know, I, I, when I go to work tomorrow, I'm going to encounter someone that's struggling something with something like this. And I'm not going to know because they could be hiding it very effectively. And, you know, you mentioned Michael C. Hall, Dave. That, that's one of, the, one of the, the storylines of the movie that broke my heart the most. It was actually one of the things that really pissed me off. Um, about how this movie was hitting me in the field so hard. And it's because he, at one point in the movie, essentially reaches out to her and says, I think that we are incredibly similar. Like, can Mm. we maybe help each other get through this? And that, it's it's terrifying. And in, in her reactions to that, because she has very, she has very different reactions to disappointment to joy but if you watch Rebecca Hall's body language she is teenagery in that moment and that Mm. basically drove it home for me that I was like the most depressed I've been watching this movie 
because <laughs> here's like potentially her only shot at some sort of a human connection. And Michael C. Hall, whether he was a good guy or a bad guy, is is offering her like a lifeline and basically admitting, you know, this is a this is a, a male, a powerful male in the 70s admitting to this woman, we might be alike. And she immediately devolves into like this 14 year old girl that has absolutely no idea how to accept a pass or flirting or even even a friendly hand. Um, and then when he takes her to like that support group, I was just like, fuck this movie. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Fuck this movie. I, I <laughs> loved how this movie doesn't over dramatize her inner turmoil. And I think that's very important to understand when you're talking about people who are at risk of taking their own lives. They're not like posting memes about suicide. You know, you don't know what's going on inside. This is a woman who is as portrayed in the film. Everyone has great respect for who is very well, most of the time, very well composed, works very hard. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't look at her behavior to me in the movie. You wouldn't think like, oh, this is a person at risk for self-harm. There, there aren't scenes of her, you know, um, being like self-indulgent. If anything, she's, she's not self-indulgent enough. She doesn't think enough of herself. And I think that's very important to understand, you know, this can come out of, you know, you'll be surprised. The person isn't surprised, obviously, but like it's not that cliche. So I, I appreciated that handling of, you know, you don't know what people are feeling on the inside. And I loved George, the character of George. Um, see, what's, what's his name? Michael C. Hall? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved that character so much because I kept expecting him to take a creep turn. He's not a creep. Like he's just like, oh, he's like a former jock. He's in the news. He really like tries to help her. He literally brings her to a group therapy meeting. He's like, I, I appreciated the treatment of all the characters. You didn't have, you know, we watch all these evil movies and they're yeah. populated by terrible characters. I really appreciated that, you know, this is just like an average everyday newsroom. He's just like Regular folks, they're all, you know, kind, and they're all trying to get somewhere in life. And I really, to me, like, th her, the respect that she had from her colleagues and the extent to which people were, like, trying to work with her, even her boss, Mike, who, you know, as she even says, should have fired her. Like, everybody is just kind of trying to, like, get through their day, man. And, and, you know, if they can reach out and lend a helping hand, they try to do it. But, you know, that's not always enough. I think one of the saddest parts was when she had kind of made that choice, like made that final decision. And then everyone started acting accordingly around that. Like, yeah, get it, girl. Like, you got this. Mm. Yeah, I'll give you yeah. this thing. And she's just like, thank yeah. you so much. Like, I'm being nice because this. I know this is what you want. And I'm fine with that. And then just kind of going from there. I don't know. Every this whole fucking thing. Once I realized what was going on, this whole fucking movie was sad, and too relatable. And well, uh, she was like striving to be like creative, and and visionary. Yeah. And I I feel like that. Uh, that. I don't know that that is a, a type of anxiety in it, mm -hmm. itself. Uh, that I think that anyone who's creative, like you're you're not selling a vacuum cleaner door to door you're not knocking on someone's door and they say no i don't want your fucking vacuum cleaner get out of here <laughs> you're selling you 
-hmm. You're selling your vision or your idea or something that represents the way you feel. Uh, So every time an opportunity falls through, every time something doesn't happen, every time someone insults your work, um, you know, that that is you. It's it's hitting you harder. Um, And I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, when they deal with people that are very driven uh, and very creative um, that these things and, and criticisms and expectations weigh on them harder. Yeah, it's a good point because where I think you really see her start to go downhill is when she starts giving up that vision. She starts mm-hmm. to, you know, and, and Trent, I don't want to steal your thunder because you've already thrown this out, but the, the most important, um, one of the most important lines of the movie is when her boss yells out, if it bleeds, it leads. Mm. <laughs> and when she sort of resigns herself that, okay, I, I have to, for me to get some feature spots on these broadcasts, I have to go out and find stuff. And she goes into like this obsessive, you know, gets a police scanner and is starting to like get up in the middle of the night and try to track down people. And then there's the, 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 the house fire situation where she drags her poor camera woman out there and gets it but she's still such a visionary that instead of getting the carnage she just focuses in on this this guy's face fell asleep in bed with a cigarette in his mouth and she just gets like this really interesting you know touching and very ironic because you know the guy's telling the story as he lights a cigarette and she brings it in and it's still not good enough and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed the very, very quick scene that happens as as she's unraveling and she's just obsessively trying to give Mike, her boss, what he wants. She, she storms into one of the editing rooms with this great idea and, you know, she's all ready to, like, give herself up to, to the studio expectations. And there's her camerawoman, Jean, with a winning piece for the news that is violent, that is exactly what Mike wants and like I think that's just at that point in her brain I think she was just like I'm never going to be good enough and that's a very that's a very relatable workplace thing too you know part of the part of the natural um, selection I guess of the workplace is there's always somebody gunning for you I mean people are shitty it's just that we don't you know we don't know what those people have for for mental health issues and, and they're not going to show it at work. In fact, at work is probably where people with untreated mental illness are have it the worst. Because when we go to work, we're already typically putting on a different face and then throw that on top of somebody with wildly unchecked mental illness. They're having to work 100 times harder, which means it's taking 100 times its toll. I loved when she went to the police chief to start getting juicier stories and before she gets the police scanner, because she's you now she's got to you know get the get the blood and guts, as she says. And the police chief is like, "I love your show. Like what you what you do yeah. is great. Like what you do is really good. Doesn't matter to her. Does not matter at all. And again, it's like these series of of like compliments. She's very serious. She's very good at what she does, but it doesn't mean anything. In in this movie and and the other movie Severance, we had talked about. Um, like a, a political implication, but these movies have a lot of allegories to, to politics because a workplace, there's a hierarchy of, of power 
So it's like a mini political system, uh, you know, that people are involved in because there's the people on the bottom, there's the people on the top. And, um, you know, I think it's it's a great way to kind of like sum up, you know, the, the relationship of of people in those systems and, and how everything affects everyone and how everyone responds. Yeah, I mean, this this is also another timely movie. Like, Trent, you mentioned that Severance was just very timely. You know, this one, they're dealing with the Nixon impeachment. You know, there's a yes. lot of things rolling around this movie that are still very relevant today, not just impeachments. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not a big fan of Schadenfreude, but whew, loving this one. And, you know, there's there's work. The workplace stuff is, is still very much like you said, Dave, there is still a hierarchy. There are still women's inequalities in the workplace, you know, and, and I just I don't want this movie. A lot of the critics of this movie ask, why did you bother making this? Like, was it for Christine or was it for shock value? You know, if you read some of the, the poor reviews of this. But, you know, I, I honestly took away from it. Um, the scenes where she's doing these weird puppet shows for kids at a hospital, um, mm. especially oh, the, the, the scenes where Jean is trying to help her or George is trying to help her. Um, the, the weatherman, I forget his name, but even this guy is a total dipshit and he's just like trying to be so nice to her. The boss mm -hmm. who, despite not coming off great, who is played by Tracy Letts, by the way, who if, just look up Tracy Letts. The guy's kind of a big deal. He's got a Pulitzer Prize uh, in his in his pocket, um, even even him, you know, look at the outbursts that she was having as she started to deteriorate, and he just he did not want to fire her. That I mean, right. think about the seventies. A woman in the workplace in the seventies has outbursts like that against a very insecure male boss. So there's a, there's mm. a lot of things that that still apply today. But I, I just I wanted to make sure that you know. As I was watching the movie and knowing how it ended, I wanted to really soak in those scenes where she is being weird, but like on her terms, like weird things that made her feel good or made her feel normal. Uh, and I think that those are those are the things that, you know, if you watch this movie, really try to pull those out. Uh, it doesn't doesn't make the movie any less of a gut punch, but it might it might help you shed a couple couple less tears. Mm. It, it's mm -hmm. you know it's very akin to uh, body horror, this type of horror, because uh, you know the deterioration of of the mind. It's like, like what is evil? Because you know the people that she works with, even though every once in a while there's some left-handed comment that isn't really harmful, but you see how it weighs on her. But then you, know, you just wonder, like, well, what is evil? What is the thing that is that is doing this? That is causing this tension? And why am I scared? And you know it's coming from within her and she has no control over it. Um, I thought the the gun scene where she purchased the gun uh, where, or first started, um, it was like a story. I didn't even know if she was writing anything down for a story, but it, she went to talk to a guy about, about guns and he kind of like bestowed this uh, awful like prophetic... <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Hillbilly knowledge. Yeah, I good literally call. didn't even think about that until just now. And I'm like, wow. Yep. Yep. That's where it started. Cool. Cool, 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 <laughs> cool, 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 cool. I started this week coming in here being all like, I'm going to do my hot girl shit. I just had my astrology reading. Um, <laughs> and I was like, great. Coming in 2021. 
with all my goddess energy, as she told me. Um, and then uh, I had to watch this fucking movie. So thank you ugly so cry. much. <laughs> ugly cry. I, every time I cry, it's an ugly cry. I'll tell you guys right now. I am not a beautiful crier. My nose gets red. My whole face gets red. I took a picture because I was like, this might be funny to post. Haha, <laughs> watch it, Christine. No, I'm not going to show anyone this picture. Mm. Why would I show anybody that picture? I'm weeping. I think even though this movie's sad, and, and you're, you were saying, Kevin, that people are saying, like, why did they make this movie? Uh, to me, I think it's, like, super important to to show that how close we all are like we could we can all relate to mm-hmm. uh different aspects of christine's character and not like i'm saying like everyone's kind of suicidal but what i'm saying is that uh it just shows you um a not totally out there version of mental illness it's very mm-hmm. like close to home and you kind of see the movie through her eyes like it's very much, you know, centered around her and her and her feelings. I just think a lot of times when you read some of these negative reviews, you also have to wonder: um, is it just because it's something that's making the reviewer uncomfortable and they don't want to talk about it? I think that's a lot of the problem with our society: is is people don't want to talk about this stuff because they're experiencing it, or they they don't want they're not experiencing it and they don't want to be burdened with it because how could they possibly help? Um, I just, you know, the more we get into this show. And the more I branch out in, into where I consume my movie reviews, I, I, I have a list of people that I, I might email soon and just ask them why they bother reviewing films. <laughs> now, let's <laughs> hold on. This is what I this is what I was going to say. Let's be clear. This is a very well received movie. You're you're Kevin, you're highlighting some negative reviews, but this, this was overwhelmingly well received. If you if you look at the the totality of reception on this. It's not a movie that flopped. It was a movie that most people thought was very good. Um, certainly there, you know, there's always criticism of, of any movie. Nothing is. And look, you know, I need to find everyone, that criticism trend so I can keep my list growing. Okay? I, I know. Yeah, no, I just wanted, I just <laughs> want to be clear that this, this, it's not, it's not like we're, we're holding it up and most people didn't like it. Most people did like the movie. And I certainly felt like it was, it just, it's so relatable you know, when I was watching it, I felt like Christine, and Dave was Mike, the boss. And I even, I even told Dave, like, I feel like you're trolling me personally right now. Yeah, you know, she's like right at the at the beginning of the movie when she's like, "Oh, I was just running some tape on myself." Do you think I lean in too much when I talk to people? I feel like it's too much. You know, that's how that's like my life. I'm sitting here, I'm listening to this all the time. Uh, you know, I'm rolling tape on myself. I don't all think I'm very time. critical on you, Trent. Fucking blood and guts right here. Oh, no. <laughs> Put that away. Is that made of chocolate? I, know, I, I can't. I, I, can. I can't Mike. look at it You're anymore. Mike. What's, what's interesting to me, though, if this movie was so well received, is how Rebecca Hall did not receive more awards nominations. Hmm. Like, are people just too scared to thrust a movie like this into the mainstream? Even in 2016, or I guess 17 is when I had it down as kind of like a wider release. But good, good for Rebecca Hall because, you know, she obviously in this movie proves what kind of amazing acting chops she has. And she hasn't been given, like, uh, an opportunity like this. You know, we know her from, like, The Prestige, The Town, The Awakening, The Gift. And she's actually got a movie coming out that David Bruckner, his, his new horror movie, David Bruckner did The Ritual. 
he has a movie called The Night House coming out that she stars in. And I just, I feel like this movie proves that Rebecca Hall deserves some pretty serious uh, starring roles in movies. At the same time, it, I, re- I did wonder, and this is not the traditional horror at the Oscars complaint that we make, I really wondered why she didn't get more recognition for this uh, other than some glowing reviews in newspapers, why there weren't like awards considerations. Yeah, she's she's amazing. I, I love I love her. My two favorite things that she does in this movie is when no matter what's going on, no matter like what sort of like social opportunity might be presenting itself that would actually help her that she, you know, on some level wants her response is always I really have some work to do. Yeah, I got work to do, and that's just like her out all the time. And my favorite quote of all the whole thing was when she says, "My life is a cesspool." To her, oh. like, oh my god, ain't so, that the so truth? <laughs> I feel like both of these movies, though both pretty well received, are a little bit under the radar. They are kind of yes. like in this almost like B category um, of like independent or foreign uh, movies that not everyone has heard of. And I think people's immediate go-to when they hear Christine and a horror movie podcast talking about it, they think it's Stephen King's Christine. But um, I I actually wish it was titled something different because of that confusion. Yeah, and we should be clear, um, this is on Netflix right now. This is on Hulu. This is on like everywhere. Um, Severance is a little harder to see. You have to rent it and you can do that, but it's only on a few. Christine is like everywhere. Severance is on Tubi. Yeah, it's on... Yeah, I know, but commercials. I mean, um, but Christine is on Christine is on like every site that you don't have to rent Christine. If you pay for a a service, this movie is probably on there, which, again, just goes to show how kind of under the radar it is. I think everyone should watch this fucking movie. It's all I'm saying. Mm. That's all I'm saying. One time. It's not like a fun watch, but I just want to clarify something. So when he said that you have to watch it with commercials, you said first world problems to Trent. Does that mean you think that third world problems are commercials? I really don't want to too get many into that commercials. In <laughs> <laughs> Not in the workplace. Hey guys, guys, we're HR. at work. Hey, let's keep it clean. HR, come on. We're in the office. We're at work. Who, who is our HR department? Is it Kevin? It has to I'm, be I'm Kevin. Obviously, the only one with HR experience. So I think it has to be me. Come on. <laughs>